But this morning we want to jump into John 1. So I want to read this for us. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines on in the darkness. But the darkness has not mastered it. A man came, sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that everyone might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And the world, apologies, he was in the world and the world was created by him, but the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. This is the word of the Lord. You bow your heads with me in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for this season. Thank you so much for bringing us all into this room. Lord, and I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, prep our spirits, for the transformative things to come over the next few weeks as we recognize and honor your son. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified by this morning. In your son's great and holy name, amen. Now, sermons are fun. They're a good time. It's always a blast. But what makes a sermon even more fun, in my opinion, is a good title. So here we are. I want to take a look at our title for this morning's sermon. The season of the setting sun. Who doesn't get a kick out of alliteration? Come on, that's fun to say. The season of the setting sun. And now every good title actually is incomplete without a remarkably longer subtitle. The season of the setting sun, how a lack of light reveals the restorative power of Christ in this dark world. It's kind of fun. I like titles. Hopefully, I can make even more better titles for us in the future, as long as this doesn't upset any people. I was getting weird looks from Jerry earlier, and I thought I was doing something horrible. Turns out he doesn't understand how his face works sometimes, and that's okay. So the season of the setting sun, how a lack of light reveals the restorative power of Christ in this dark world. So if you're type A, and you probably have already gotten the sense from me that I don't stick to a plan, That was good. Those are facts. There's no, plans are kind of like willy-nilly. They're exciting, but they're like, who cares? Um, that's not true. I follow plans, I promise. Because here's the plan for this morning. Can we go ahead and take a look at our outline? There's a lot of room for flexibility. That's a good plan. So we're right now, see, look, you guys have done it. We're already a couple minutes into the intro. And if my timing is correct, 10 minutes on each of these, we'll be here in a cool, we'll be out of here in a cool 90 minutes. Uh, and it'll be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. Nobody will be upset at all. Just kidding. Jerry will be upset. He does understand how that works. So we've talked about our intro. You guys know that I exist. I'm standing in front of you. My name's Ilya Morakovich. If I missed that part, if you're visiting with us this morning, I am so glad you're with us because I get the chance to talk to you. Um, you can apologize or ask for an apology from who brought you later on if you deem that necessary. But this morning, we got a transition to this conversation about gifts. Because that's, that's on the outline. And we're going to stick to the outline this morning. See, gifts, it's the time of year. We're always thinking about gifts. And I don't know about you, but for me, gifts equals panic attacks. 
It's just a train wreck. It's always a problem, and it's never been good. There's never been a win in regards to gifts for me. Even when I receive gifts, I think I received like one gift that I was like really excited about, but normally I have to figure out what humans do when they receive gifts and try to like mimic that. I don't quite fully understand. And then when I come up with gifts to give people, I have no clue. And I start panicking. In July, I'm panicking about the following February because that's when my wife's birthday is. I start freaking out early. That way it's not all at one time and I can still function as a person. See, my family had a tradition for Christmas where instead of coming up with gifts to give, we would come up with lists to give. You get what I'm saying? So, so parents would write a list. Elia and Alex, we would go into the magazine and we'd circle things. And then we would hand the magazine back and we'd say, those are what I want. And the whole goal was to, as a team, the other family members as a team would try to f- fulfill the list. Right? So you'd try to, like, pool finances. You'd come together and you'd be like, oh, he wanted this book. Well, I'll get him that book if you go get him this thing. And, if you did. and it was never a personal gift. I really mean this. This is how my family was. Because they wanted everyone to be happy. And they wanted everything to be fair. And it was fantastic. It wasn't really, it made stress for me. Because I didn't know what to get people when the list was done. <laughs> And as you can tell, we've already talked about me and lists and plans. I like to deviate sometimes. So I deviated a couple times. And the deviation was always interesting. So one of them was only about three years ago. I thought it was longer ago. I thought I had grown up a lot more since this experience, but apparently I hadn't. It was fairly recent. My father had recently turned about 60, which 60 is not that old. Okay, I'm telling you right now. If you think 60 is old, you're wrong. All right, I've heard from a lot of people, and correct me if I'm wrong, 50s and 60s, like the best two decades of your life, you're like just cruising along. The kids are out of the way. You can just like have a good time again. Like, it's a great time. I heard 60s are not bad in any way. That's maybe not any way. There's probably some way 60s are bad. It doesn't matter. Pete is turning 60, and Eli wanted to get him a gift. So when he's looking at gifts, he's kind of thinking, how do I mess with him a little bit? He's 60. He probably feels a little older than he wants to feel. He often tells me how he still thinks he's 17 and then has to remember right my knees. See, I go for a book by Billy Graham. Anybody know Billy Graham? Yeah? It's pretty straightforward, pretty uh, classic, kind of like human being. My parents both went to Wheaton, where Billy Graham's a big deal. There's the Billy Graham Center, yada, yada, yada. It's a whole thing. And I get him this book called... Uh, I actually don't remember the title, but I do remember what it's about. It's about finishing life well. And I get this from my dad thinking, that'll be funny. Like, here you go, dad. Here's how you finish life well. He's like halfway through life. Like, this is a bit morbid. We're Serbians, okay? The humor is a little dark. I apologize for that. But the joke was like, ha, 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 you're so old. And I give him this gift, and he opens the gift, and he looks at me, and he kind of, he goes, thank you, Ilya. That was very thoughtful. And I'm, this is not an exaggeration. My face suddenly, (laughs) Dad, you're not dying. It's okay. Like you're, like he got me in response. But he, he didn't understand what was happening with this gift. This gift was intended to be a joke. So then he kind of had to like force himself to be like, thank you. I think, I think you meant this well. I don't know. And he's trying to think the best of me. He shouldn't have thought the best of me in that moment. And he didn't understand what was happening because he had a list and I deviated. (laughs) I've deviated again since then and before then. One of my favorite deviations on the gift list, though, was uh, for my brother and his wife. They came. They lived in Michigan at the time, and they drove down to Chicago to spend some time with us for the holidays. And 
I have no money, and my brother's this, like, intellectual musician who wants, like, this pedal for his guitar that costs $5,000, and he wants, I don't know, a, a book by some guy that's a couple hundred dollars, and I'm like, I don't have any of this. So, of course, the list doesn't work in for me, so I deviate. I instead get him a one-gallon fish tank with rocks and a little ship that you can put inside. It comes with a little filter that sticks to the back wall of the fish tank, and then a little betta fish. <laughs> I think that's a good gift. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Who doesn't want a little tiny aquarium? It's not too much work. It's self-sustaining. You put the fish in there. The fish has a good time. You feed them once in a while. You tell them your secrets. It's fine, okay? My brother, genuinely, it was a, are you kidding? I got a verbal, are you kidding? Not the look. I got the verbal, are you kidding? And I was like, no, I thought this was a great gift. I was like excited about it for weeks. Here's the problem. I deviated from the list. And my brother was not ready for this fish. He did make a home for the fish. The fish didn't just be abandoned. His name was Dietrich, in honor of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, <clears throat> Apologies. He's an intellectual, like I said. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he, um, he lived a couple more years. I'm, I can't remember if his demise was intentional or unintentional. All I know is his Dietrich is no longer with us. I apologize for that. That was a sad story to start with. Uh, yikes. The problem with a good gift is if it's given at the wrong time, it's not a good gift. The problem with a good gift is if it's given to the wrong person, it's not a good gift. If the person receiving the gift doesn't understand what's happening, <laughs> it's not a good gift. Pre being prepared for a gift is actually very, very important. That's why my family liked the list. You couldn't lose with the list. Everyone was ready to receive what was on the list. See, the conversation we're having about Advent this morning is about how do we get prepared for the gift that is Christ? The gift that is coming, the gift that has been given, the gift that keeps on giving. How do we get prepared to receive this gift in a way that isn't just sort of like, do we really have to go to Christmas Eve service this year? Let's just go get Chinese food. That's what my family opted to do. We had Christmas on Sunday morning, or Christmas morning at our church growing up, but Chinese food on Christmas Eve, great decision. We, we want to have a heart that's ready to receive this gift. Because what's the point of a good gift at the wrong time or a good gift for the person who doesn't understand it? What's the point? A Walkman is not a good gift anymore. Sorry. If you're not ready for it or you don't understand it, there's no point. So this morning, we are going to start this conversation of Advent, this season of time where we get to explore how to get ready for this gift. And the only way to do that really is to jump back into the Bible, because I don't know about you, but the Bible has some good stuff to say about, well, all things. So we're going to jump into John 1 again, if we can pull that up for me. Fantastic. This is John 1, not 1 John, John 1, 4 and 5. 4 and 5. In him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines on in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. It's kind of a cool verse. Like I said, my parents went to Wheaton. My mom works at the Wade Center, which is a place where they're um, kind of like the primary place of research. If you're going to do anything on C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, uh, J.G.R. 
oh gosh, she's going to be so upset with me. Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton, uh, Dorothy Sayers, other authors like that. She's kind of like, so we kind of grew up in a family that's like nerdy. And uh, when I read this, what I hear in the background of my mind, what I hear when it says, but the darkness has not mastered it, is I hear just a solid, you shall not pass. And if you didn't just get chills, what's wrong with you? Come on, you all know what I'm talking about. That moment, right, where Gandalf is facing off with the Balrog and he's in the Mines of Moria and he takes his staff and he shatters the bridge and it's just like this epic moment. Everyone's life is saved. When you see, and I'm going to stay on Tolkien because it's a brilliant book, uh, you got Samwise Gamgee who goes into the lair of Shelob and he's fighting Shelob and then he has to pull out the light of Galadriel. Freaking out a little bit up here, right? Like, this is it. This is Frodo at the edge of the, of the lava in Mount Doom, right? This is cool. This is awesome. If this doesn't get you hyped, change how you're reading it. That's cool. Ooh, that's fun. Sorry, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We'll get back to that later. So, uh, but there are three words in this incredibly awesome passage that I really want to hone in on. There are three words that I think matter most, and here they are. Isn't that cool? It's 2019. We just highlighted those words like it was nothing. Guys, do this for dinner on a Thursday night. Like, here's what we're having for dinner tonight. Beep. Everyone's going to have more fun. Okay, in him was life. So the first one we're talking about is him because him may seem self-explanatory, but there's a little nuance in here that we want to make sure that we grab and hold tightly to because if we don't grab hold of this, we might actually miss something incredible that's happening around us. Second word I want to talk about is the word light. Because again, light is one of these things that there's a subtle nuance going on with this word that if we aren't aware of it, we might misunderstand the purpose of light entirely. And then darkness, which, well, yeah, darkness. I don't really, well, we'll get into it. It's darkness. It's a confusing topic. There's a lot of negative to it, and there's a couple good things. And I'm all about finding the light in the darkness because the darkness has not mastered it because that's an epic verse and I want it to be a part of my life forever. We got to move forward. We're going to talk about the word him this morning. So in him was life. Who's him? Jesus. Yeah. No matter where you are, if there's a person on stage and they ask you a question, the answer is Jesus. doesn't matter if it's a church or not. The answer is still Jesus. So just go ahead, say what you're going to say, and it's going to always win. See, in him, in Christ, in Jesus was life. But I just want to stick with Jesus because I feel like this picture of who Jesus is is a little more, a little more to it. Because there's another name for Jesus that's a very Christmassy name. Do we know the Christmassy name for Jesus? Well, I heard Emmanuel, yeah? Emmanuel, yeah, that's the Christmassy name. For some reason, around Advent, he's now Emmanuel, right? I don't know. I don't, Christians are odd. So what we do is we have this guy named Jesus, and then we call him Emmanuel. And if you're familiar with his work... You're, you understand that Jesus' work is one of the redemptive nature. It's one that says uh, that which is lost can be found. It's the one that says that which is dark can be made light, so on and so forth. It's all about new life, new beginnings, restoration. It's very incredibly loving. Uh, and we seem to be big fans of it, right? We're, we're, on, we're on board with this message. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. So here's the nuance I want us to grab a hold on real quick. We say God with us, typically we mean God is with me because we're human beings and we talk about me, right? That's what we do. God is with me. Well, guess what? 
if God is with me, God is also with you. No matter what the heck you're doing, God is alongside you. God is pursuing you. God is with us. God has come to participate on this planet alongside us. And that's a very central Christian belief. That God is with us. And that whole thing is wrapped up in Emmanuel. It's just like a word. This crazy word that just like reminds you, yeah, God's with us. So even when... uh, Carol in the office turns the heat up again because she's freezing cold. And now you're sweating at your desk. God's with her, Emmanuel. So take a breather here, okay. God with us, right? Even when uh, you're driving down the road and it's like your 47th roundabout of the afternoon and somebody decides to stop in the roundabout, God's with them, Emmanuel. Even if there is a deep pain that's been administered to you by someone you love, Emmanuel. And on a side little thing off the plan, isn't that the greatest offense of the gospel? That the darkest among us still have God with us. We don't like that. Emmanuel. The other word I want to talk about this morning is light. See, light, it's an interesting thing, light, because when we think of light, we think 75, because that's as hot as it ever should be in our lives. 75 degrees, sunny, maybe there's a beach, maybe there's some dog without a collar but doesn't like bite you and is like very friendly and now you have a new friend for the afternoon but you don't have to take them home and feed them. It's fantastic. You just get the fun parts and leave the rest to someone else. Like maybe, it's, maybe you're like hiking somewhere and I don't know, but light, we just think it's like it's this pervasive good, right? Anybody here know what Star Wars is? Right? Yeah, we know. And if you don't know, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? This thing changed cinema history. It changed American history. It was, I mean, this, okay. So, the guys have the light side of the force, right? The Jedi. We got a whole group of people that are the peacekeepers, the warriors to, to reunite and build trust and, and goodness, and they are the, the light people, and they're so light they can't even do bad things. Theoretically, that gets a little gray later on. The story's complex. You should see it. And they do all these good things because they're servants of the light side of the force. Now, we're not Jedi. We're going to come back to the Christian thing soon, I promise. But light itself... We know to be good. We can all agree that is what we've been taught. Well, here's one of the tricky nuances of light. When everything is bright, how do you determine the source of light? All these lights in this room, which one's shining on you? Which is the one clearing your path? Which is the one that makes this place visible? When you're outside and you lose your keys in the middle of broad daylight, you don't turn on your phone flashlight. Maybe you do because it's unintentional, but you don't because it doesn't matter because it's not helpful. Because in the middle of light, while light is good, we want light. The problem is you just genuinely don't know where it's coming from. And guess what human beings like to do? We like to misidentify ourselves as the source of light. We tend to think, 
Oh, that's a little bright in here, isn't it? I'm doing a good job, aren't I? Pretty holy this afternoon. God is really working through me. We like to think that we are the source of goodness in our lives. We like to think that we are the source of goodness in everyone's lives. However, maybe there's something else going on at work. That doesn't mean you aren't the source of goodness. I'm not saying everyone's terrible completely. But I'm not, it's more of the, we aren't the primary source of that, that goodness in our lives. There's something else happening in the world around us. And I want to talk about a word, darkness, if you don't mind. Darkness. Oh, this is a fun word. So darkness is confusing because we think it's bad. Right? I mean, our whole thing is we turn on lights so there is no darkness. Right? That's the whole point. That's why there are, like, trucks that have these, like, giant halogen things that pierce my eyes every single time it's like even lightly dark out because they're afraid that somehow something terrible is going to show up in front of them and they need to blind everyone in the room to make sure. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, these lights, we are all about powerful lights. We want more and more light shed in the darkness. So much so to a point that actually, I mean, you, uh, scientists are a little bit concerned about humans because uh, there's too much light pollution. It's a freaky thing. Google light pollution. Get yourselves ready to be uncomfortable. Uh, your circadian rhythm gets mixed up, and if your circadian rhythm gets mixed up, which is your natural going to sleep and waking up, and that gets mixed up, then like your creativity starts to suffer, then you actually experience more boredom and anxiety and health issues, and all of this because there's this crazy amount of light, and we actually have this tiny square of light that we put in our face every night too. You know what I'm talking about? You little, yeah. Okay, so darkness is interesting because we look at it as a bad thing, but without darkness, we lose quite a bit. See, darkness and light being in competition with each other is a very Western Greek idea. The idea that these two things need to be fighting and that one needs to take over and destroy the other. It's a very Greek idea. That's why the language is used in that verse. When Christians in about 400, 500 AD, common era, whatever, they, uh, when they came just north of the Alps in Europe, they came across a group of people called the Celts. And if you've seen, like, King Arthur, you know about the Celts. They're like crazy people with paint on their bodies, and they have swords, and they're nuts. Um, which is such an underrated movie, by the way. And the Celts are these people that we like to call pagan or heathen. Pagan is a word that means of the earth. Now, if you're freaking out right now, hold on. <laughs> Don't freak out. We're okay. <laughs> but if you're, the word pagan means of the earth. So when, they t when we talk about their practices of worship which is what the Christians would be interested in, they're talking about how do they understand the earth to represent some sort of spirituality to them. So for them, they're very about like, let me, f let me get my hands on what's going on. Your, your concepts don't really mean much because we can see our faith. So we're not, you know, there's a whole thing. We're not going down that road too far, I promise. But when the Christians came and they came up to the Celts and they said, okay, tell us about what you believe. Not, not, here's what we believe. They said, tell me what you believe, because we believe Christ is already here. We're not bringing Christ. He's already on the move. We're here to discover Christ in your, in your life and point out what's been going on the whole time. So they show up to the Celts and say, tell us what you believe. The Celts tell them, okay, well, here's what happens. Every year, the sun goes through this cycle 
where during one part of the year, for three days, the sun is at its brightest, and its brightest shining the longest. And then at one part of the year, the sun actually starts to diminish, and there becomes less light. And if you live in the woods, and you have no at all science, and math is like, who cares? Like, when the sun starts to vanish, you kind of freak out. I don't know about you, but you just naturally would. So what they do is they have these traditions to help restore the sun and have the sun come back. This is the celebration of the winter solstice. So on December 21st, when the sun has reached its point where it has the least amount of light on the earth, and of course, northern hemisphere, okay, doesn't quite work in the southern hemisphere, it's reversed. But for the northern hemisphere, when this happens, there's the least amount of light happening on the earth. And it stays steady at that point for three days. And actually, at the end of the three days, the morning of December 25th, we see that light is now visible to the naked eye, increasing across the day. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? Like, it, it just gets darker at one point in life, and then it gets lighter at one point in life. I mean, I could have just said that, right? Didn't have to give you the whole Celtic thing. But here's the deal. This is what happens. I love this window. Look out there. That's awesome. I didn't have to plant this. This was nature. It's the first week of Advent. And guess what? There's not a lot of green out there. There's some green. And in a poetic, metaphorical, beautiful way of looking at the world, you might say there's a little bit of darkness out there. You might say that there's a little bit less life out there. You might say that darkness might have a strong foothold in this moment. See, the Celts believed that, yes, when darkness hit its peak, when it was the darkest time of the year, they knew that light was coming. In a very literal, physical way, like this was not like hope. This was like, we've done all the right rituals. The sun will come back kind of thing. Like, here it is. One of these rituals was on December 24th. They would decorate this giant oak tree. Celtic villages were built around an oak tree. Yeah. And uh, they would put fruit on this tree. They would hang fruit on its branches. Because for them, the darkness, the death, the lack of life in that space was not to be feared or run from, but the, the lack of light in that space was to be decorated and honored and understood to be step one in a new horizon. See, when we talk about how when one, you guys heard the phrase, when one door closes, another one opens? Or maybe there's a window somewhere that you can jump out. Someone always has to throw that funny little turn in there. When one door closes, another one opens. That's not like just saying that. That's real. Because every single year, the entirety of nature <laughs> takes a seat <laughs> and backs up. And it looks like everything's ending. We just don't even see it anymore because we've lived it. But if we allow ourselves to be in tune with what's happening on the planet around us, we actually begin to see this process of life coming back through an experience of death. See, when we travel through the darkness on the other side, there is always light. John 4, 5, the, dark, the light shines out of the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. This is the coolest thing about Christmas. This is Advent. This is Christianity. This is our whole jam. This is why we do this every week. This is a big deal. That no matter what season of life you're in right now, like your marriage is falling apart, guess what? There's actual hope that the darkness has not mastered. Guess what? You're financially just game over. There is light in the darkness that the darkness has not mastered. Everything that you have built your life upon has just been shattered. 
there is light in the darkness that darkness has not mastered. And when you think you are the darkness, when you think you are the darkness, Emmanuel. Because God is with you and he is pursuing you. This is why we lined up Christmas with the solstice. It wasn't some weird like take back that day from pagans. No, this is literally like we're seeing the world tell the same story as our scriptures. We're seeing the darkness hitting its peak and then light powering on through. Because here's the deal. In a space of darkness, that's the only time you can see the source of the light. Because the light will diminish the source. Advent is an invitation Advent is an invitation into the darkness to not say, let's turn on more lights, let's block it out, but instead to put them on a tree and decorate the darkness. To recognize that the darkness is not working against you because that's the lie we believed. We believed the darkness was working against us instead of believing that the darkness was just alongside us. And that belief in that lie is actually what is killing us because we all have darkness. And we all have light that the darkness has not mastered. And that's the Christian message. See, on December 25th, when the light starts powering through the sky a little bit sooner, or longer, when we celebrate Christ's birth, the celebration isn't necessarily that the bad stuff was taken away. It's that despite the bad stuff, we still have light. That's Christmas. That's stinking cool. Like, what? You know, we, ah, gosh, wow, I can go on. This is just too exciting for me, but we're, we're ending the end of our time together, friends. We're on schedule. I've committed. As a community, we can step into the darkness of what's going on in our own hearts, because let's be fair, there's probably some darkness. Well, duh, there's darkness. We're humans. No one's surprised by that, and no one has to be afraid of that. The darkness has not mastered the light. So the invitation is to not run from what's within you, but to explore it and allowing that light to expose what's going on inside of you. To initiate heart change and life change, to move through that internal death, to have the internal life on the other side. That's the invitation of Advent. The invitation of Advent is, if you're in a season right now where it's like lights are shining, things are great, and everything's fine, step into a place of darkness and be a light for the people there. Because they may have forgotten about their own light, and they may not even think it matters anymore. And you get to be a person who reminds them that Emmanuel, God is with us. This is the invitation of Advent, to step into the darkness, bearing the light of our king, this light that will not be mastered by the darkness. And this morning, this is also the invitation to communion. Because as a community, we are preparing ourselves to receive the gift of Christ. And the preparation for this receiving of the gift, that was a lot of words, the preparation here starts as a family who comes together and participates in the same sacrifice that Christ made for us. So this morning, I want to pray for us that as we go from this space, we would be ready to engage with the darkness, knowing that the darkness has not mastered the light. But in fact, we can dive into the deepest parts of who we are, the darkest, scariest portions of us, the scariest portions of life around us, knowing that the light will not stop. 
but it is only in the darkness that we can reveal the source of that light. Would you guys bow your heads with me in prayer? Dear Lord, we thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you that this is the start of the Advent season. Lord, we pray that as we go from this space, you would be glorified for the never-ending gift that you have given us. God, we pray that as we come together for communion, you would be honored. That our hearts would be readied, that our minds would be prepared, Lord, that we would receive this gift, knowing that this was the gift you offered your disciples before you headed to the cross. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In your son's great and holy name, amen.